Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Grace, Peace, and Balance podcast by Gabi Abdel Gadir. And today I have yet another incredible young lady for you, and we're going to be talking about mental health. This is episode 125. We're going to be talking about mental health in Canada. This has been uh, Mental Health Week and in celebration of that and all of those struggling from mental health. I have decided to do a five-day podcast on the subject. Thank you so much for watching and welcome to my podcast, Liletta. Thank you so much. It is an honor to be joining you today. You're welcome. Okay, talk to me. Can we talk a little bit about your childhood growing up first and then we're going to get on to how you got into the mental health part? Absolutely. So, you know, like most people, everything that we do, especially when we are geared for the community, really is rooted in our childhood and things like that. So I grew up in a single parent home, um, low income. My mother raised my sister and I, and, you know, there was a lot of struggle. Um, We were in, as I mentioned, low income neighborhoods. So there was just a lot of trauma and, and stress that went on in the community. And, you know, but we got through, we worked through, my mom um, was and and still is, you know, very hard worker. So I really saw the example that her, my aunt, my grandmother, these women um, really put forth to to make things better for us. Um, In fact, my first book was actually about their legacy and the things that they did um, and, and that I observed. So that's a little bit about me just growing up, experiencing a lot of different things as a result, um, depression, um, you know, uh, tried to take my life a couple of times. Oh, and wow. Yes. And so getting through that and kind of on the other side, I've really dedicated myself to to empowering people about mental health and how to get help and to remove the stigma from from any type of mental illness. Yeah. It's, uh, well, what age were you when you tried to take your life? The first time I was 18. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was 18. Was there any reason like were you bullied in school or like is it people were bothering you? Yeah, you know, so what the interesting thing was, um, you know, being the oldest of my sister and I and my mom having to put a lot of responsibility on me as the oldest, again, single mom, she had to go out sometimes, she had to work nights. Um, you know, I always felt like there was this pressure, like I had to be perfect. And at the age of 18, I was in a relationship and it just, it was ending. It was just ending in kind of a bad way. And, you know, it wasn't so much about the relationship ending that had me depressed. It was the fact that I felt like I was a disappointment. I felt like I was breaking this, this perfect image that I had, you know, created of myself because something was going wrong. And so as a matter of fact, um, it was really a turning point for my mom and I because she soon realized that she had contributed to putting that pressure on me. Um, When I was in the emergency room and they were pumping my stomach, um, my mom came in there and she was so upset and so frustrated. And, you know, the first thing she said to the, the hospital psychiatric nurse that was there was, I can't believe she did this. She's been so perfect. I mean, all this time she's not done anything wrong. And then she does this. And I will never forget the lady looked at her and said, well, ma'am, at 18, if this is the first thing that she's ever done wrong, that's probably why she's here. 
And so it was a really a couple years of my mom having to kind of work through that and even just understand, um, you know, kind of the consequences of putting so much pressure on one child. Um, but yeah, that was how I ended up there. That's the first one. The second one? The second one was um, a number of years later. Uh, that was in the two, early 2000s. And once again, um, I was actually going through a divorce at that time. And again, just the heaviness and disappointment of something failing. And, you know, I still hadn't quite worked out this, this belief that I had to be perfect and that nothing could go wrong. And I just could not find my way. And I felt so disappointed in myself and where things were. And that was my second attempt. Fortunately, um, I because I had promised my younger sister from the first time that if I ever felt that low again, if nothing else worked, if thinking about my relationship with God didn't kick in, if nothing else worked, she she had me promise her that I would think of her face. And in that moment, I would do something to stop myself from doing that. And so that particular time I had everything in place. I was ready to, you know, end matters. And I thought of her face and I actually called a crisis line and they in turn called 911. And I did spend some time in a psychiatric hospital. Um, but that was really where I recognized that I needed to do something so that I could never end up in that space again. Again. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh my goodness. So I tell us about you. I haven't read your bio. Tell us about what you do right now and how you got into what you're doing. I can see you're doing a lot of great things. Tell us of what you do right now. Thank you so much. Yes. So, you know, I, I share often about that moment um, being in the hospital in 2004 and, you know, being disappointed that I, I wasn't able to have completed what I felt I wanted to do, which was take my life. And I remember praying to God and I said, you know, if if you really want me to live, then you need to let me know. And if you let me know two things, one, I will make sure my relationship with you is solid, speaking of God. And the second thing is I would dedicate myself to really helping other people not end up where I was. And, and being in a hospital like that and hearing other people who were depressed and all of that. Uh, and who were co actually coming to me to get comfort. <laughs> you know, I really recognized that I, I had a gift, but I needed to get myself straight so that I could give that gift to others. And certainly God let me know that he was there for me, that he wanted me to live. And so I put in the work, which included my own therapy, which included getting the help, surrounding myself around people who could help me sort everything out. Um, it also included going to school, getting training and counseling, crisis link, uh, crisis hotline, all these things. And so now what I do, one, I'm the founder of a nonprofit called My Natural Me, which is yeah. all about empowering girls and women so that they know their value. They know their worth. They know I go by the acronym HER, Honored, Empowered, and Refreshed. Um, so that's primarily what that nonprofit is all about. But I also help coach girls and women, again, recognizing that sometimes you may not want a licensed therapist. Maybe you just need someone who has the training and experience that can help you sort your way out, right? Yes. So that's one of the things that I do is really help people to find their way. And my biggest really platform is the relationship you have with yourself. 
in all my years of, of my own work and training and education, the common denominator that I believe is how do you see yourself? How do you value yourself? That dictates the relationships you have, what you allow in your life, and how you go about making sure that that you're emotionally and mentally safe. Yeah, my God, yes. You just nailed it sometimes. You don't need like a license because when you go to a doctor, all they do is uh, prescribe you with antidepressant, which may end up helping you a little bit in one area, but the side effects are more than a dozen side effects. So a lot of people that I have heard of have taken these uh, antidepressant medications yet they committed suicide uh, because sometimes it could have the opposite effect on you. So people like you who've gone through it would be of great help. You've been there, done that. It's from life experience. Yeah. You don't need medication. You just need the right counselor, right? Exactly, exactly. Okay. Oh, wow. So that is when you decided this is what I want to do. That's a good, uh, that's a good way of starting your uh, not-for-profit. And you have received some awards. Talk to me about that. Yes. So I'm so honored to have received a number of awards. Um, I received an award from the town of Dumfries, uh, Virginia, for those uh, outside of the DMV may not recognize Dumfries, Virginia, but (laughs) we are very proud here in Northern Virginia. Dumfries, um, a few years back, I was awarded uh, for my work, especially dealing with, at that time, victims of domestic violence um, and putting on a lot of conferences, events, um, workshops, coaching, counseling for women who were victims of abuse. And so I was recognized by the town of Dumfries for that. Um, I've received a couple of of different awards from uh, Baltimore, Maryland, Women of Power. Most recently, yes, the um, um, Seatbelt Award here again in Prince William County. Um, Again, just being honored for the work. And, And to me, we all love to be, you know, recognized and acknowledged, but I'll tell you some of the biggest joy comes from the actual testimonies of the people that I'm of able to, to work yes. with and help, right? Yes. That that yes. really is what um, comes yes. to mind more readily when I think about some of the accomplishments, but I don't take any of it lightly. I don't take any of it for granted. And I'm, I'm so honored to be able to do what I do. Yeah. So when someone, you have helped someone heal, you feel like you just won a million dollars, right? Like it's yeah. in, it's an incredible feeling. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Talk to us about your book. So my goals is to really continue the work that I'm doing. So um, now I have four published books and really the first one, as I mentioned, was about my family and just the legacy they they left. But my other ones are really all about self-help. Title, title. Can you mention the title? (laughs) I am a book addict. My second, which is my best-selling book, is called I Can Fix My And again, what it does is it really just takes you on a journey. I kind of break it down into four different areas that you can focus on to bring it back to you, which include accountability, um, your belief system, um, perspectives, things like that. Um, And that's really the book that I use even with my coach, with my clients. I, I I use that as a guidebook. And then my other book is The Power Resides at the End of I Am. And again, that is all about how, yes, (laughs) yes. And, you know, affirmations are so um, trending, right? But 
many people don't really understand you know, why are affirmations powerful? And so I talk about that and I talk about not just using affirmations, but even how to rephrase some of the things that we say to ourselves in an affirming way as we go through different seasons of our life, including grief, um, aging, all these things. So that's what that book talks about. And then my fourth book is actually a poetry book, which oh, wow. is, yes, very- you should, you should have joined Raul Marin's webinar uh, on Saturday, yesterday, I, actually. You know, and it's, that's the thing about social media. It's like you try to keep up with everything, right? But sometimes I'm seeing it after the fact. So I need to figure out a way to, to have the right things show up at the right time so I can be more yeah, involved. Yeah, but. but he was, you know, we have to be very active on the CLA uh, group page because he posted it so many times there. And I was one of the attendees, I tell you, like the first speaker I missed because I joined a little bit late. Yes. But for the reminder of the speakers, their poets, I can tell you, I think uh, more than a handful of us were in tears. Wow. I had to be off, uh, like, you know, camera, ball yeah. my eyes out, like it, every oh, poem wow. hit home big time. And I thought I was the only one. No, even like online, everybody was crying. Like wow. it was on point. So wow. next time, don't miss it. Raul Marie. For sure. Okay? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> for sure. Okay. For okay. Sure. Let's talk yeah. about your uh, poet book and the title of it. Yes, so my poetry book is called My Life Painted in Words, and it is truly just some raw, um, unedited poetry that I've done over the years as I was going through different things in life, and so um, it's funny because as I and I opened up the book talking about how I, I never even really considered myself a poet. Um, I just really enjoyed writing and, and the poetic style of writing. Mm -hmm. And then one day someone was like, okay, so you're a poet. You, you know, this is poetry. And I'm like, I guess so. And they're like, why don't you publish this? And I said, well, I guess, yeah, why not? And, you know, again, that's been another one that was really, really, um, I guess kind of surprisingly a, a good seller. Um, people loved it. And I talk about, again, some of the raw things. Um, you know, I talk about having a parent that's going through um, dementia. So I have a poem that talks about that. I talk about, you know, heartbreak and all of that. So that's, again, just some real raw, um, you know, authentic poetry. In yeah, that. that is what people like, right? People yeah. like, like real life stories, like, yeah. you know, genuinely true stories not just yeah. like making it up or just trying to be somebody who you aren't like that's beautiful oh my god I can't wait to read your stories and oh, another person you. you need to get in touch with who is a great poet is Marie um Mandy Robinson mm, okay. she's a lot on Facebook she actually used to read like she used to go live and read some on oh my god mm -hmm. she she nailed it as well yesterday oh, and a lot of them everybody did but uh, if you are into poetry, definitely those two you need to get. I'm sure there are more, but those two come to mind right now. Awesome. Okay. I will make yeah. sure I reach out. <laughs> yeah. Tell them Gabby said I should reach out to you guys. I sure will. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so that is incredible what you're doing. So my question is how, what are, I know, uh, but what are the signs you need to look for in a person? for you to realize like, oh, this person is going through a tough time. Yeah. If, if they don't talk to you, if they told, don't tell you, what are the things you, you have to notice? You know, I, and I love this question because 
it can be challenging, you know, as we've all gone through the pandemic, some of the, we've all kind of changed a little bit, right? I, I did an article that said, you know, the pandemic made me an introvert because everyone who knows me knows I'm very outgoing and extroverted and all that, but I changed a little bit and, and it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, So it can be tricky, right? When we're trying to see if there's a change in behavior, but I would say, you know, there's a quote, um, if you see something, say something, right? That, yeah. That's kind of, you see that in airports. And honestly, I say, if you see any change in a loved one, don't hesitate to, to bring it to the forefront. If they were maybe outgoing and now they're reserved, if they're not as communicating as much as they once did, um, if they are showing that they're sad, um, if they're showing that they're apathetic, any change in behavior is, is, is tempting to overlook it because we're all busy, but definitely challenge it, right? Ask them about it. Um, be observant. And we're all going through different, different things. We've all experienced a lot of loss and pain. However, sometimes, even if it's just a matter of while you're kind of holding yourself together, you reach out to your friend or loved one and say, listen, I know I'm in a, in a, you know, off space too, but I'm, I want to check on you. You know, I haven't seen you in a while. Haven't you been kind of quiet? What's going on? Those are things I would encourage you to do if you notice something different in, in someone that you're close to. Yeah, that's so true. So true. Yeah. Okay. Other, so, oh, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. The other thing that I really want to stress as important you know, there used to be a time when people really kind of downplayed the importance of social media, right? People said, oh, it's just social media. But what I have found and what, what we were seeing in the mental health world is that more and more people are being transparent on social media about how they feel. We've seen more people, even when they have been about to take their lives by suicide, they've actually talked about it. They actually said, you know, how they were feeling. So, my big encouragement is do not ignore if you see a sign on social media and, you know, people will hit the like button, right? Or they'll, they'll say, you know, you know, feel better or something very generic. But if you know that person, reach out to them. Don't Pick just the hit the like button, right? Yeah. Send them a message, a direct message, even if you don't know them. You know, I've done that with different people. I've seen posts, people that I don't know personally, but I've sent them a message. Hey, your life matters. Um, I talk about that years ago. A stranger did that to me and it it was a, it changed things for me. So I, that's another thing I encourage. Don't disregard what you see on social media. Yeah. And then uh, in addition to what you just said, you nailed it. And for the young generation, do not make fun of your friends in social media because a few years ago here there was a 14 year old he went on social media and he posted he wanted to kill himself they all laughed at him made fun of him in social their schoolmates yeah. guess what that night he committed suicide oh, because yeah. none of them took it serious not only that they made fun of him so he ended up killing himself so it's not funny no. if anybody says that Please do either talk to your parents or if you cannot talk to them, if we're too young, just talk to your parents or something like that. Do not make fun of your friends. That's one thing I need to add because of what has been going on lately in this planet, right? Yes. Oh, my goodness. So much. I know. So, um, okay. So what advice would you give to parents? Let's start with parents. 
Yeah, again, pay attention. Um, we have to stop allowing TV, social media, even their peers to be their closest contact, right? As parents, you want to be closely involved with everything that they're doing. Um, I know this is the age of, you know, independence and, and many, I mean, I've seen three-year-olds, two-year-olds know how to just maneuver on, on, on those phones and everything. Yes, yes. But we have to, as parents, you have to be involved. We have to take back some of the freedom that we've given our young people. You know, I'll, I'll even share this in Northern Virginia, for example, uh, we've had a lot of really bad car accidents and the police chief in the area actually made a plea to parents to not buy their children, their their young ones who just got their license, these um these fast cars and these um the I forget high performing cars. So just think about that. If 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 we have to, a police chief has to literally come on the news and say, stop giving your kids so much freedom that they're 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 killing themselves and others, even in the car they choose. How much more so when we talk about who they're around all the time, the, the, mm -hmm. the exposure they're getting in social media, which is just so much and their brains are not even developed yet, right? Yes, so they, yes. they can't even process a lot of this information that they're getting nonstop. So parents, please be involved, put restrictions around um, what your kids see, the people that they're around. Um, I mean, we could go real old school and say, you know, have the computer in the main area like we <laughs> We could say that, but at least if nothing else, have some way that you're able to check in on your on your young one. Don't just leave them out there because they can't handle it. Their brains cannot handle it. They can't. That is so true. That is so true. Oh my goodness, you nailed it. Um, what advice would you give teachers in schools? You know, the same thing. And our and our hearts go out to the teachers, right? Because the majority of teachers and educators, they really do care for these students. And they're, in some instances, putting their own lives at risk, right? Because things have just gotten so uh, challenging. But again, I say, you know, keep a lookout for anything that seems different. Uh, use the resources that you have as an educator, which is the school system itself, the guidance counselor, um, even getting, you know, law enforcement involved. If you see something, I think all of us are just so inclined to kind of want to ignore things, right? Or figure, well, the parents, that's the parents job. They can fix that. Or that's this person. No, if we see something, if something seems off, if a child seems despondent or change in behavior, immediately attack it, immediately use those resources that are in place to protect the child and yourself and the other students. Yeah, well, on point. And then I think it was with Jamie that I had a conversation about the schools here. The teachers, they have limited time and capability like you know to do something if there are 30 kids in one classroom how is that one teacher able to notice who is changing and who is not yeah yes yeah someone didn't do their homework yes someone failed in the text but how are they going to notice things kids are now going into schools with knives with guns i mean seriously they mm -hmm. need more budget. We have to give them that credit and the governments have to give more budget to schools. There should be video cameras in schools. 
Absolutely. I know a ton of people who are now taking their kids out of school, especially the junior ones, yep. and homeschooling them. Yeah. Because of what's been happening. Like a 13-year-old just shot, killed a 19-year-old, and then he injured another, I think, 16 or something like that. Yeah. How is that possible? Yeah. In my days, we never heard of such a thing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, teachers... A lot of people do blame teachers, but having said that, 30 kids in one classroom, I mean, seriously, is that fair to expect one person to be able to notice each 30 kids? It's not. They have no budget. They don't have enough classrooms. There is no uh, security, as you said, as you mentioned. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that is that. So my goodness, times have changed. I I tell you that God help us. That's all I can say. And uh, what advice would you give people in the workplace, in the corporate world? Yeah, you know, the same thing. A lot of companies now um, do have resources in place. They have um, employee assistance programs. Um, They have these things. And and oftentimes, unless you're really uh, having a major problem, you don't even know about the resources that are available. So I would say start there, you know, start with your human resources department, um, see if there are resources available. And then you know what, take the initiative. A lot of companies are looking for people to run, you know, programs in the office. There's women's inclusion and diversity and all these other things. Why not start a mental health group? Right. Again, let's think outside the box. Let's let's take the initiative. If it's not already in place, why not start one? Right. Because, again, everybody is impacted by what's happening in the world. We all have to check in right with our mental health. So I say take the initiative. Look at what resources your company already offers. And if they don't have something already in place, look to see what it would take to start it. Yeah. So. I have to give where I'm working. I work full-time still and uh, huge credits and kudos. We have an employee assistance program. We have a wellness program. We have mental health is a huge thing. Diversity and inclusion is huge. So I am like, I love where I am uh, at this time of my life right now because I I have everything I believe in, in one place. So, but... Do other corporate companies do the same thing where I am right now? I am not quite sure. Family life balance, you know what I mean? A lot of people are scared to lose their jobs and they don't want to talk. They don't want to say anything. Oh, if I tell this person uh, that I'm depressed and I'm going through this, maybe they will get me fired or something. There is that fear, right? Yeah. So uh, I think that's why. So that was a great message. Thank you so much. A lot of these corporate companies need to hear that. Yes, yes. Yeah, they do. Thank you so much. Any final advice? You know, I would just, my final words are, we, again, are all really trying to get through these times that we're in, right? There's just a lot of pressure. We're seeing so many things escalating. We're seeing crime on a high level. We're seeing younger and younger with with guns and shooting and things like that. And it really goes to mental health. And I just encourage you, have the conversations. We have to remove the stigma around mental illness. We have to have the conversations. 
if we don't know how to have those conversations, then, then reach out to people like myself, people like Gabby and all the other guests that she's had. Uh, these are people who, this is what we do. We've been trained and educated in having the conversations. Um, and again, I want to speak to licensed therapy is not a bad thing. It, it definitely <laughs> has its place. And I, I know. Also, I also hope my family doctor doesn't he watch this right. and hear what I just said. Yes, yeah, yes. I and I definitely have referred people uh, when I recognize that they need maybe a little bit different, um, you know, therapy. But I always preach: be your own advocate. So whether you're dealing with your your primary doctor, a licensed therapist, your coach, your mentor, whomever. Be your own advocate, do the research, ask around. But the most important thing is remember, you are worth it. So get the help you need. Your friends and family are worth it. So if you see something, say something. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And this is day 405, everybody. And uh, up until the next episode, stay blessed. This is Grace, Peace and Balance podcast. Thank you.